podcast this week, we say yep to an interview with Jordan Peele, director of Nope. Yarp. Plus, we have an animated chat with Ari Folman, director of Where Is Anne Frank. All that and more on the movie podcast that has just returned from a set visit in Los Angeles, flew into LA on a British Airways flight that took off at 11.05am and after an 11-hour flight during which I watched some episodes of Bottom and Curb Your Enthusiasm, waited in customs for an hour and I was picked up by a car that took me to the SLS Marriott on South La Cienega Boulevard where Ellen had a meal of chicken tenders and Cajun fries washed down with a cool refreshing can of Sierra Mist. What was the set visit, Chris? Can't tell it, Helen. It was classified. I mean, I, I think the joke, though, in Aeroplane, the joke in Aeroplane is that he gives away all the classified information. I can't give away the classified information. So it's not a funny joke. It's a funny joke. Is it, though? Let's check with the people at home. The dance was funny. There you go. They can't see the dance. Yeah, they can't see the dance. This is just for us. The joke itself was less funny than the dance. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm back. He's back. I'm back. Welcome back. I guess. <laughs> Hello, Paul. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Empire Podcast this week. We're back in the Jazz of M Studios, and I'm joined by three colleagues of such lethal cunning. Uh, hopefully, we won't be kicked out this week whilst we're recording this. I think we're good. We've barricaded the door. Uh, joined, of course, by Geek Queen Helen O'Hara, who so brilliantly rammed home that joke after I set it up beautifully. Hi. Hi, Hi, Helen. Hi. So glad to be here already. Yeah, good. Good. Well done. Well done, everybody. Uh, we're also joined, of course, by great big fucking nerd, James Dyer. Hello, Chris. Hello, James. How are you? I am... Don't care. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Do care. Of course I care. How are you? I... Uh, no, okay, right, that's it. Go away. <laughs> You're the worst. Uh, I'm fine, thanks. Genuine expressing interest in the well-being of one of my friends. Yes. Yes. My well-being is is well. All right, good, good, excellent. Uh, and joining us on the podcast, the main podcast, the Mothership podcast, for the first time after wowing literally tens of listeners uh, <laughs> on our Miss Marvel spoiler specials, but mainly wowing us with his baking skills, we have asked him back. It is Neil Bat. How are you, Neil? I'm good, I'm good. good um, what have you brought? Ba- back on the bacon, I've brought cookies. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is exciting. Would you like one? Uh, not during so, not during the uh, the actual making of the podcast because people have complained about it in the past when we've been eating on microphone. They do complain that you loudly masticate during the podcast yes, and soft putting. Uh, and I only do that on my OnlyFans channel. That uh, sounds absolutely yes, fair. Yes. Neil, so just to be clear, did you make these? Yes, I did. Or did, were they made by your other half? Oh, my other half can't bake. Oh, well, that's a shame, because then I can't go, your wife's cookies, because that oh, would be funny. Yes, <laughs> down, down, yes. put that cookie down. Lizzie made them. She's not my wife. but Yeah, but, but, like, your girlfriend's cookies doesn't yes, work, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. You yeah. see, you, what you've got to realise is he's labouring desperately to create a joke. <laughs> your down, wife, down. Your wife, your wife's cookies are out of this world. That's right. Fine. It's turbo time. We're, we're married, <laughs> and yes, she made them. Good, good. Put that cookie down. Oh, you, I thought you were going to say the line. No. I guess not. No. Well done. Wow. Okay. That okay. went well. Good stuff. So hopefully Good. This is how a- comedy is made. Yeah. Mm. Jesus Christ. Uh, hopefully we've bought enough time now to have uh, people send in a question for the podcast because I had pressed record on the podcast device and then remembered, it's not like this every week, Neil. 
Usually this is a slick, well-oiled machine, an award-winning, slick... It is award-winning. Award-winning, well-oiled, award-winning machine. I cannot emphasise that part enough. I've been here and I've listened. I know what it's like. It's very good. And you, you know, you'll watch your tone if you want to be a See, see, he brings the sass as well as the cookies. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah, honestly. Shocks, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, anyway, the cookies, realize... the cookies outweigh the sass, you know. <laughs> They've got chocolate chips. I like to think they've got the sass baked sass into them. in the cookies? Yeah. There's sass, there's all sorts of stuff in the cookies. Is it cumin? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Who puts cumin in cookies? Oh, my God. That's a good point. Who does, cumin. Put, Sorry, who does put cumin I keep in cookies? Forgetting that. Yeah. It's a big mistake I keep making. Anyway, so uh, I hopefully have bought enough time because I realized we didn't have a question this week. And uh, so the best questions are the ones that are sent in in a panic, right? So I've just done a panic shout out. Uh, shall I read out some of the questions that people have sent in and then we can decide which one we want to do? Okay. Yeah. If, you, if, if one particularly tickles our fancy. Uh, Tom Trott, TJ Trott says, if you could swap one other DC film or superhero film to take Batgirl's place in The Fault, what would it be? Well, that's a good Joker. one. Joker. That's a good one. <laughs> that's oh, I hate that Are you not slightly intrigued by a musical <clears throat> Joker with Lady Gaga sure. in it? Sure. Every day is Christmas Eve. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes the present under the tree looks like socks. Yeah. You know? Socks It'll are be great. good. Yeah, I love socks. Musical socks. Maybe it's musical socks. Oh, no, there's you know? no need for musical socks. Musical They're socks. Incredibly annoying. Belted out by Lady Kaka. And so that's going to be a lot of. No, finish the word. Finish the word, Chris. You can do it. You can do it. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It'll, it might be alright. It's it's going to have a great soundtrack if they get yeah. um, Hildur and goodness the torture um, back. So you just said that because you know how to pronounce yeah, it. I don't. You I did. very much don't. As anybody who is listening yes. in Iceland will would be able to tell you. And here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Okay, well, yeah, okay, so Helen's gone straight in on Joker. They're a two-foot challenge uh, and has taken out Joker's ACL. Joker will be out for a while. Uh, James, what... It doesn't have to be a DC film. It can be any superhero film. Oh, I see. No, I'm taking it as DC. I feel like it's only it's, mm. po- it's only right to swap like for like. And also, if we're getting rid of bad films, come on. Uh, also, I'm, I'm going for the abomination. Not, of course, Tim Roth. Love Broth. Tim Roth loved a bit broth. But. Wonder Woman 1984, which can get in that vault and then that vault can get in the fucking sea. (laughs) Absolutely not. Give me Batgirl or give me death, but get rid of Wonder Woman 1984. I am telling Ben on you. I mean, tell him. Tell him. I nearly throttled him when he gave it four stars. I'm like, that's at least four stars too many. I don't think the choices are binary. I don't think it's Batgirl or death. It is. I think you can have (laughs) Batgirl. You don't have to have death. Cake or death. You don't have to to go straight for the the death option on this one. Yeah, if, yeah. Can I just say you guys were remarkably restrained about the Batgirl thing last week? Uh, it's probably <laughs> a good thing I wasn't here because I would have been effing and Jeff and, and doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, but you were you you discussed it in a sober and adult and mature fashion. But it's you know <laughs> it's not like it's like a raging bin fire over there or anything where stuff is falling by the wayside left and right and getting cancelled and things mm. being put on ice. Mm. It does feel a little bit like a fire sale. Have you seen this so, week? I don't know whether this is the latest uh, masterstroke uh, of the new regime at Warner Brothers Discovery, uh, but the revelation that this week, the third season of Pennyworth, a show yes. I did yes. not know... <laughs> Had made it to a third season. So first of all, congratulations. Every now and again, they'll, you'll, you'll be walking through the old Royal Naval College in Greenwich and Pennyworth will be shooting there and people will be going, we've, can you believe we've made it to a third season? So the, the, the story this week was at Pennyworth, which is 
in fairness, about the origins of Batman's butler has now been officially titled Pennyworth, The Origins of Batman's Butler. <laughs> because I guess at that, this new regime, they have to spell or have spelled, everything spelled everything out. Everything out, yeah. yeah. I, I, I did see that and I laughed for about a week. Yeah. I've just stopped before coming in here. Weird, it was only announced yesterday. I know, but I had to literally time travel so I could laugh long enough. You came in here news. to stop laughing. Yes. You've come to the right place. I've come to the death of comedy. Um but but what just the, yeah. oh I I we every the only the only consolation I can take is that every day every single day we draw closer to Teen Titans go to the movies becoming reality from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are so close now to Bat Belt Origins. Oh good. <laughs> I'm, oh the I'm, one who hates. Fun. I do not like that film at all. I was uh, promised good times God. and good times were had by no one. Why have you not gone for that instead of Wonder Woman 1984? Yeah, because which... while Teen Titans is tedious and not funny, Wonder Woman 1984 is a fucking hate crime. So, you know, it's degrees. You're a hate crime. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and if you want to swap me for Batgirl, do you know what? That would be absolutely I, fair. Oh, no, that would be my option. Um, yeah. Hang on, swap. are we swapping James for Batgirl? <laughs> I think we have a solution. Oh, Please go. welcome on the Emperor Podcast. We're joined, of course, by our geek queen, Helen O'Hara. We're joined by the physical representation of the film Batgirl, which is here for some reason. And then James is like in the Phantom Zone. <laughs> he's, yeah. just, he's just flying through space, banging on a piece of glass. No. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I could make that work. That'd be amazing. All I right, make so that work. Joker... Wonder Woman 1984, Neil. Before Zod. Beat me by one second. You can't put Superman 2. No, you can't. You can't put that in the Phantom Zone. Nobody puts Superman 2 in the Phantom Zone. That's the famous quote from Dirty Dancing Goes. Either Lester version or the Donner version. You can't do that. Fine. I won't. Good. Where are you going to? Where are you going to? No, I was thinking more Batman vs. Superman. Oh, so Tell me more. Tell me Colon more. Dawn of Justice. Colon Dawn of Justice. Where do you stand on theatrical versus? What's the other one called? The, the, the ultimate. The edition. ultimate. Oh, edition. I never saw the ultimate edition. Apparently, it's better. It's but much it's better. better. Yeah. It is. It yeah. is better. It makes sense of why yes. they might fight with each other. Which story. kind of feels like the information you should have put in your theatrical <laughs> cut to me. But hey, what do yeah. I know? Let's go with a theatrical cut because I yeah. don't know about the other one. But yeah, it's not a good film. There are parts of it which are good, but ultimately, it sucks. It could be a lot better. They fought for eight minutes and that was it. it was, and you did know, you time it? I, I think I saw it on like some like trailer breakdown or you know film mm. review or something like that. I just want to interrogate all your choices again before we move on. By the way, my choice would be Suicide Squad, the original yeah, Suicide yeah. Squad. I mean, that's all, I, that also yeah. occurred to me. Yeah, but, you know, the one star Farago that is Suicide Squad. Still better than Wonder Woman 1984. It's not better than Wonder Woman 1984. Wonder Woman 1984 has its issues. Mainly the fact it's four weeks long, <laughs> uh, but it also has Gal Gadot, and she's great. And um, other people are in that movie Chris as well. Pine. Who? Chris Pine. Chris Pine. We like Chris Pine, yes. and he's good. And in other Pedro, things. Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal? Yeah. This is not the way. We're just listing the cast of Wonder you Woman and at this point, but it, it, that's okay. Uh, so I would go with Suicide Squad because that, that film is lamentable mm. and mm. Um, four stars. Empire. Yes, that's true. But uh, hey, that's, that's not interrogate bad views. <laughs> Four stars. Yeah, I didn't. We didn't. <laughs> we, we, no one in this room. I was going to say. 
No, the scene of the crime. There's a there's a tape around Dan Jolin's body <laughs> oh. right now. A little outline, a little chalk outline of Dan. Uh, he's unrepentant. Well, on the uh, subject of Independence Day too. But anyway, oh, Karen. Oh God, another one he gave four stars to. He, he, he had a, a summer of feeling jolly. Mm. Apparently, he's killed before. He'll kill again. He's not here to defend himself. We no. shouldn't. All yeah. right, so let's uh, let's let's move on. But uh, so you went, uh, Neil. You went for Batman v Superman: Cool on Dawn of Justice, yes. the uh, the penultimate edition, and you went for Joker. Uh, and you went for Wonder Woman in '84. Uh, I mean, that's widening out a little bit here. I mean, did no one want to go for something like Steel, which is terrible, or Catwoman, the Halle Berry Catwoman, or Superman 4. Batman and Robin, or Superman Four: The did, Quest for Peace? Yeah, I did think about Superman Four. I just can't. I can't remember it that well, and but I know it's bad. Milton Keynes' I, finest hour. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I'm. I you know, it's against my religion to get. You know, to criticize Christopher Reeve that strongly to suggest that we lose a Christopher Reeve film that would yeah. be bad. Um, so I wasn't going to suggest that. Um, I yes, I thought about. I think he would have probably been God. okay with you. Losing I'm, I'm sure he, he might well have been. Yeah. Uh, or Supergirl originally, I had a lot of affection for Super as a kid Girl. because I was because I was you know deprived of female leads. So I was really excited by that when I was little. Yeah. So I I just feel like all of those films, you know, have a reason to be bad. Low budgets, you know, bad effects, stuff like that. Slight contempt for the source material. Slight contempt in some for the cases. source material, which also, in fairness, Joker shares. But, I, but I, you know, I would personally get rid of the one that I just dislike most. The, the making of um, Quest for Peace is really interesting, and how Canon just kept cutting the budget, cutting the budget, cutting the budget, and then finally they wound up with Milton Keynes doubling for Metropolis. But there's still things I like about The Quest for Peace, mm. despite the fact that I haven't seen it in donkey's years. But, you know, there's the fun scene where, you know, Superman goes on a date with, is it Mariel Hemingway who's in the movie, or Margot Hemingway? I think it's Margot Hemingway. Uh, it might be Mariel. It's a Hemingway, not Ernest. I know that much. Chris? Uh, Chris Hemingway. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he's on a double date. So Superman's on a date with a Hemingway and Clark Kent is on no is it Clark Kent on a date with Superman anyway this is a great anecdote hang on hang on a second hang on someone is on a date with someone else who's on Uh, first but then someone else is on a date with someone else right right but obviously Clark Kent and Superman who are both on a date with other people are the same person so Clark Kent it doesn't matter who they're on a date with All right. so Clark Kent I think and Superman, I think everyone to, understands. He has to keep changing back yeah. and forth. Mm-hmm. Also great about Superman for the Quest for Peace is uh, the bad guy, Nuclear Man, is played by uh, an actor called Mark Pillow. Oh, so there's a literal so. pillow fight. There is a pillow fight. They oh. they go to the moon. Yeah, they do fight fight on the moon. Yeah. And he gets rid of all the nuclear weapons, which he I remember being n- quite nuclear proud. weapons. Oh, yeah. Nuclear weapons, which I remember being happy about as a kid. Yeah, he does because that was Christopher Reeves' idea. He yeah. wanted Superman to be, you know, solid a, a, idea. Yeah, solid idea. We still haven't seen weapons. like superheroes getting involved in world issues to that degree. Um, so I really liked it. I like that uh, it, it also happens in in one of my favorite comics, Rising Stars, where the Superman type character decides to, or one of the Superman type characters decides to get rid of all the nuclear weapons on Earth, and it doesn't go quite so smoothly. Yeah, because they can solve hunger. Uh, they uh, well, actually, one of them also kind of does some of that. I would like Never. the next Marvel movie. What's the next Marvel movie? Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Yeah. I want whoever is Black Panther in that movie to take care of my energy bill. That would be wow. a great power. Just and, to, and maybe someone else's energy bill. Like the whole yeah, yeah. Yeah. the whole world's energy bills and just, you know, stop this nonsense. If only. Uh, if bold only, if bold only. statement there. Bold yeah. statement. Uh, anyway, did I tell you I had a dream once in which I ate Nuclear Man 
And when I woke up, my giant pillow was gone. Wait. If you want to have your question read out on the Empire Podcast, you can get in touch with us via, well, Twitter is the only game in town. I'm at Chris Hewitt. Uh, you can wait for a panicked shout out every now and again, as just happened and yielded a very good question right off the bat. The Neil Bat. Hey. hey. Yeah. Great. The Batman versus Superman. <laughs> cool on. Donald Justice. The Neil Batman versus Superman. Neil Batman versus... I, Neil before Batman. I, I fought Superman. Don't even know The Neil Batman for... Is there a Neil Superman? Uh, no, but there should be. There should be. Like, you have, like your nemesis. Yeah, which yeah. Would be, which would be amazing. Anyway, you can get in touch with me on Twitter. I'm at Chris Hewitt. You can slide into my DMs. You can reply to any of my tweets. And if the question's good enough, I keep saying I'll remember it, but clearly I never do. <laughs> Shall we have a guess before we get into movie news? Yes, let's. Who should we have? We've got uh, Jordan Peele or Ari Fulman. Who do you want? Jordan Peele or Ari Fulman? Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele? James, you were about to say Ari Fulman, weren't you? I was, yeah. Why I wanted to hear the Liverpool chat. The Liverpool, you don't want to hear no, the Liverpool chat. No, you didn't. Chats. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really into Liverpool. I like the Liverpools. What are you doing? They're good. Why are you being weird? Why is James being weird? Because that's James. You know, we're, we're committed to Pilot 200. We're, we're coming. You don't have to butter us up. Oh, out. fine. In which case, we're on however you want. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's all good. That's all good. Although, Cameron's it is interesting coming. that you mention that, Chris, because obviously... Of course I've got to mention of it. Of course you've got to mention it, because what are you going to announce? Uh... I don't know. The headline acts for Pilot 200. So we revealed some stuff <laughs> this week about Pilot 200. We revealed some of the guests for the daytime segment, a little bit for the evening segment. So the evening segment, we will have a number of guests, but we have got Matt Berry. We can announce Matt Berry. Toast of London will be there. That's going to be very exciting. You and he were buddies. Exactly so. Um, but during the day, we're going to have checks Notes. Chris Checks Notes is going to be there. Hewitt. Checks Notes. Helen O'Hara joining yeah. for the great big quiz grudge match rematch whereupon I mean, people you remember. you feel a grudge. I don't. I'm all, I'm all grudge, Helen. I'm, yeah. I'm due on up the wazoo. That's, that's Wait, hang on. This is where you're feeling all grudge and you're purporting to be the quiz master? I am <laughs> able to put aside, Helen, my petty grievances, Helen, as you will know Helen, about me. Okay. It's all right. You've got me and your team. We're going to win. I just, it's fine. What is the point of it's this? It's fine. You know what I, mean? oh. I know TV show. So ask me a question right now about a TV show. Helen any, is screwed. Any TV Who plays Columbo? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. So so at episode five hundred, there was a quiz. Mm-hmm. It was rigged. Pilot it wasn't lost. rigged. You're so idiots. We're doing a rematch. Empire versus Pilot with me as an independent and completely unbiased adjudicator. Can I just can I just point fabulous. something out? How can a quiz be rigged? if the questions were to both teams at the same time and it was fingers on buzzers. I'm not saying you're not clever. I'm just saying you managed it. How do they manage it? By well, I mean, all the idiots Do you ask the a magician team? how he performs his tricks? No, you don't. Yes. I don't want to know. Do not pull back the curtain. Pay no attention to the <laughs> trick behind the curtain. The curtain. Uh, anyway, so big rematch of that, but more, more excitingly. Oh, it, more excitingly. Okay, because I, I had another question. About, oh, go, no, go on. Ask no, me I had another question about the quiz. So uh, when I put the quiz together, yes. are, you, are you doing the same rounds? Is it going to be a themes so round? So you're asking me, in addition to having ripped off your entire 500 show, <laughs> am I ripping off every round I of your quiz? I think it's only fair. The answer is, I'm relatively lazy, so I will almost certainly do that. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm fa- I've come up with a genius round. I cannot tell you what it is, but I have come up with a genius round. It is based entirely on a pun, as all great things in life are, oh, and I'm very excited about it. And I'm less excited about the amount of work it's going to take to pull together, but I'm very excited about it. Please I do just, a I don't, I, don't, oh, I don't like quizzes and competition <laughs> at the best times. And we know to why, be, don't we, Helen? To be forced into doing this shit twice. <laughs> we know why, because it reveals a side of Helen that you don't like to see. 
It's like, it's, uh, so I've got a question. Uh. <laughs> I've got the answer. Me, sir. Me, sir. I know the answer. And that's it. That's, I mean, in that's fairness, you, in fairness, you absolutely know that about me going in. You've known that about me. You've known that about me since day right. one. Yeah. I okay. think I need to come That's to this. Not, I don't yes. have that fact. Yes, you do. Okay. Neil, you bought your tickets, Neil. You no, you're going to give me free tickets. Free, free, t- free tickets? tickets. What, what, what do you think this is? I missed, I missed out on the 500 celebration because really? we were having our boiler fixed. It was <laughs> wow. the most That's annoying of, thing on the one planet. One of the best excuses it's I've awful. ever heard. I'm so sorry. Is your boiler better? Yeah, it's good. Fine. Good. It's it's combi, is it? I don't know what the bloody name is. Anyway, we're getting distracted. Sorry. So, quiz, and the other thing. And then the other thing is the first... She-Hulk, She-Hulk spoiler special will yes. be live at Pilot 200. So we will be doing She-Hulk live on stage at Pilot 200. You know about this, don't you? Uh, yes, <laughs> <Right>. yes. Because <laughs> you've been announced. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so but this is very, very exciting. So uh, <laughs> we realised yesterday, in fact, wasn't it, Jimbo, that, <laughs> that, that She-Hulk Attorney at Law debuts its first episode on the 18th of August, which is just three days before... Uh, what's it called? Pilot 200. That's and wrong. that, therefore, it would behoove us to do a spoiler special live in front of, uh, of you lovely folk. And, of course, you may be saying, hey, Chris, I don't necessarily watch She-Hulk or the MCU shows. Well, get over it, mate. Uh, wow. Watch... Watch wow. She-Hulk Attorney Law. Watch the first episode. We're giving you fair warning, fair notice to watch it. It's half an hour, right? It's half an hour long. <laughs> it's half an hour long. Uh, not the, the the spoiler special will considerably outstrip <laughs> yes, will. the show, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, come along and there may Just, be kisses. Yes, I was about to say the Marvel Cinematic Orchestra Universe. What do we call ourselves? What are we again? The Empire Podcast. But yes, for the purposes of this, the pilot <laughs> pilot TV, TV podcast, podcast Marvel, Cinematic Marvel Studios Fanfare <laughs> right, Orchestra. Fine. Uh, we're going to be there doing it in person mm-hmm. and you know I should see if I can get like a sack of kazoos off eBay or something that I can pass out to people in the audience yes uh, I believe Amazon sells kazoos by the sack <laughs> yeah that's what I want that's a sack of kazoos please that is the collective noun for a group of kazoos a sack yeah it's what made Bezos's billions he's in the pocket of big kazoo anyway if you want to get your tickets to Pilot 200 I am told that some of it will be at least endurable and uh, you can go down to kingsplace.co.uk and you can buy tickets for both sessions because there's a big old session that starts at 12.30 am I right in thinking I should yeah, also mention Sunday. some of the stuff that's in that yes yeah uh, uh, I mean but, you know, it's all on the website but yes we've got an art of storytelling session where we have three fantastic TV screenwriters Sarah Phelps is going to be there Joe Barton's going to be there Sophie Petzl's going to be there that's going to be a lot of fun we have a very exciting exclusive preview episode of a very good upcoming TV show uh, which will, people will be able to watch in full, uh, followed with a Q&A with some of the uh, the creators. That's, that's going to be so very exciting. Lazy. You're so lazy. <laughs> well, I can't <laughs> be bothered to do anything. Here, watch some telly. I'll be back <laughs> in an hour. It's going to be you coming in. <laughs> it's like looking after children. Here, I'll put, put on Peppa Pig. <laughs> I'm going in the other room. Peppa's with a bluey. Just a tight door. Put the subtitles on. All right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly so what's going to so happen. There's going to be that as well. There's going to be other cool stuff, and you can buy tickets for both sessions uh, separately, or you can buy them together for a discounted price mm. of of thirty two about thirty quid, something just over thirty. It's about yeah. thirty two quid. Yeah, thirty two pounds yeah. fifty, I believe, is what for it both. is. So anyway, okay, I've done enough shilling for pilot one day. I feel sick to my stomach. Mm. Uh, I'm going to feel even worse when I'm actually on the <laughs> show next week. <laughs> but hey, the, you've reached two hundred, which is about the same age as the knight from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So well done. No, we chose... What? I don't know. He'd be a little older than that. What is he? 
He was on the Crusades. The last Crusade was what, 14? Oh, that's Crusade. Don't be ridiculous, Helen. Yeah, it's 1989. <laughs> <laughs> so he's in his, he's in his oh late, oh late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. Jordan Peele is <laughs> one of the greatest directors on the planet right now. He is a, he of course was the one half of Key and Peele. I believe he was Peele, uh, the incredible sketch comedy duo. By the way, uh, all five seasons of Key and Peele. Uh, are on Prime Video right now. I thought I think but they not leave for much longer. I yeah. think they leave at the end of August. Uh, I'd only ever seen isolated Kim Peel sketches on YouTube, Same. and my God, they it's are funny. So good. Yeah, and when you good. see the show and you see it come together, their first sketch, the first sketch in episode one of Kim Peel is an all timer. I mean, just a, it's a, about two guys who who uh, trying to you know trash talk their wives, but they're terrified, so they keep going to remote locations <laughs> to do so. That's a great one. Yeah, it's, that's yeah. the first <laughs> sketch. <laughs> oh it's God, incredible. It's uh, so check out Key and Peele, all five seasons on Prime Video right now. But once Key and Peele finished, and they did their film Keanu, which was a lot of fun. Uh, Keegan Michael Key went his one way. Jordan Peele went his other way. Jordan Peele decided to start writing and directing a load of great horror films. <laughs> so Get Out won him the Oscar. Then Us didn't win him the Oscar, but was still very, very, very good. Mm. And now he's back this week with Nope, uh, which is going to be very, very hard to review later on without spoiling anything. Yeah, uh, mm. but we gave it. I gave it a good shot to talk about this film without spoiling anything when I spoke to Jordan Peele last week on the old Zoom machine. So here we go having a chat about that and uh, a great many other things besides. Do please enjoy. We are delighted to be joined on the Emperor Podcast by the writer and director of Nope, the great Jordan Peele. How are you, sir? I am good. I'm good to be here. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. I have to say, Jordan, I don't, I don't want to get too much into spoilers, obviously, for Nope uh, right off the bat, but I am disappointed that you, one of the best dressed directors in Hollywood, uh, are not wearing a Scorpion King hoodie right now. What is going on? I know you'd think I would um, take a lesson from my own iconography. That that is a hot, that is a hot Halloween item, Chris. <laughs> no, we we created this. So you're talking, of course. OJ wears a sport. He's he's from the crew mm-hmm. of the Scorpion King. It's a very meta film. Very meta film. And um, this is uh, opening. I mean, you're you're ra- already raising a lot of. Uh, questions for your listeners they're like wait what but um yeah there's there's a, a, a there's a rumination on hollywood here and um something of a hidden history that uh, the the film explores and the scorpion king is 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 part of that it's not a huge part of it but it just it tickled me immensely that oj wears a scorpion king hoodie because there's something so specific about that that I love it because you're, you're, you're not a director who, who leaves things to chance, I'm guessing. So was that in the script? Did you specifically write Scorpion King hoodie or how did that come about? It, it was not in the original script. Uh, it was something that, you know, I, I, you, you just kind of do the, the work on. You know, I knew, I knew the character had uh, worked on it, uh, something with his father when he was 12 years old. And this would be his father's piece of swag that he got. And um, so it became about what movies could it have been if you're yeah. doing the, and then, I mean, Scorpion King, come on. And I knew, and I, and I knew it had to be orange. And so that it was all perfect. And um, you sort of put out these connective feelers and um, things come, come back to you. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, as you say there, there's a, it's a rumination on, 
uh, Hollywood, on the history of Hollywood, on uh, on a, 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 an erased history of Hollywood, uh, I guess, mm-hmm. as well. And there's a lot on your mind with these movies. When you're writing the film, how do you keep track of everything that you want to say? Well, it's funny because it's it's only... I, I guess I, I don't look at it as much as, uh, as what I want to say. I think about it as focusing on something about humanity I haven't seen uh, nailed. Um, something, a, a human sin is how I put it. So oh. if, I can, if I can kind of discuss what, what I feel like our is part of our downfall that I, and I haven't seen it in this cinematic way. I feel like that, that, that works. I made a film about spectacle and our addiction to it, our, our really our hopeless addiction to it. And, um, and then I just trusted that the, the, the imagery would, um, uh, would, would, if I if I follow the truth and follow the fun and follow my spirit, I'm 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 inviting a conversation about that topic. So you want you want to rather than necessarily make it a statement, you want to invite conversation. You want to start a conversation about things. Exactly. I mean, I I think I think I think we don't really go to film for to 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 hear what someone's trying to say yeah you know we, we go to film to to see and to hear and to feel and to all of it what someone's trying to communicate you know mm-hmm. so it is it is it is it is one of these things where it's I, I love watching people dissect film because you know a movie and a really good movie is is just is worth a million conversations so have you have you over the over the years since since Get Out and Us and even with this film which has been out in the states now for 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 a few days, have you heard people's takes on any of those movies that weren't necessarily what you intended, but which kind of blew your mind? You know, I mean the the most famous one was this thing that Jason from Us was a tethered. That he was, uh, that he was, um, I should say, uh, uh, you know, that he was f- flipped yeah. at some point earlier in birth, and 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 I thought that was fascinating, and sort of like, you know, did the math of does that make sense and does that work, and um, it's not what the plot of the film is, um, and at the same time, I uh, it, it almost breaks my heart to um, to say that. You know, for the people who who have, um, you know, there's so much of what I do that's trying to harness the imagination of the audience, you know, yeah. and so much of terror and so much of suspense that is honoring the fact that audience is better, audience, their imagination is better than, than what I can do because it's personalized to them. Their nightmares are scarier than my nightmares to them, right? And so... Anyway, so there's, there becomes a point where I guess you're ask, asking me to sever. That's one that is not. He was not switched. Okay, okay, but it's still it's still a hell of a theory, uh, and I and I love that. But uh, but uh, but it's interesting what you said there that 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 Nope began in part to tackle this addiction to spectacle uh, that certainly is gripping blockbuster cinema these days. How did you reconcile that with the fact that this is 
your biggest film. It is your most spectacular film as well. Yeah, you know, I say, I basically say to myself, look, I'm, I'm, I know what I'm here to do. And I'm not going to let myself off the hook without talking about it and, and dealing with it <laughs> in the film itself. <laughs> and that's my only responsibility. You know, my, my responsibility is to do what, you know, to do what I'm here to do. And, and, um, and, and that, and it's a fascinating, fascinating duality yeah. I'm dealing with. And cinema and movie making, it is penetrative. It is dangerous. It is, uh, has a history of exploitation to it. And, mm. um, I wanted to have mine, but I just didn't want to turn away from that. And is is that again somewhere where you started with? Because the the one of the defining images of the film is the the galloping horse or the horse in motion. Uh, I've, I've seen various names for it, which is uh, the, the pretty much I believe the first ever moving picture put on film of a black man riding a, a horse for just a, just a few seconds. And it's such a huge part of, of Nope. Is that, so is that where you start? You start with that central image, then work your way backwards. Yeah. Or, or work my way forwards. Or sideways. And, oh, yeah. and, or sideways. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. I mean, and, and on one hand, I'm, I'm finding this, you know, this origin story of film in this, in this erased black figure that I can't find his name. And, and I'm thinking about the exploitation and the erasure. And then I'm also thinking about where I am now and the, the ability that I, I, the, 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 the luck and the fortune and the, the, the fact that, you know, I do, I, I do have a, a studio who is um, saying, okay, we're going to make your film. We're going to, you know, we're going to make your crazy film <laughs> and um, reconciling those two things is something, is something about, you know, the pain and loss mm -hmm. and the, and the forgotten legacy, but also this joyousness of what s story and film can accomplish to put me in a position now where I can tell this story about all these things. And so it's, it's, you know, like life it's movies is, is are all things. Yeah. <laughs> Again, without going too much into, into details, because I want people to discover uh, Gordy for themselves, but a, a lot of this is coalesced in the character of Gordy, who is a, uh, how should we say, uh, a chimp who stars on a TV show. That's that's probably what we could say, but uh, but it's a, <laughs> it's such a phenomenal idea and such a phenomenal uh, characterization as well. I know Terry Notary played Gordy. Can you talk yeah. a, about where the idea of Gordy came from and, and wanting to have this 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 chimp and sitcom at, at the center of the film in a way? You know, I I'll just go ahead and spoil it. There okay. there is an animal attack at the center of, of this film. <laughs> and um you know this was I, I it's funny because someone just recently retweeted something a, a tweet of mine in 2014 where i was citing a dream that was very similar to this scene i had forgotten about but you know i think the the fact that i had forgotten about it 
tells you something, <laughs> tells you a lot about my process, to be honest with you. <laughs> because here it's the centerpiece of the film and um, six, six years later. Yeah. And uh, most of the reference points of where I got something I remember, but that was a, a moment of, um, you know, of, of catharsis, I think, that mm. went, had to continue to be pushed through this story. And I think it's, uh, and I think it's about exploitation. It's about feelings of, um, uh, feelings of rage, uh, at, at the industry. And I think one of the things that's powerful about the, that, that scene is we, most of us know how horrific chimp attacks are, um, uh, or that how they're, or they're supposed meant to be, um, uh, and, uh, they're, they're, and yet there is something where we we can't look away and we don't we fear gordy but we don't hate gordy yeah um and so i think there's a, a, a interesting thing happening for the audience there yeah absolutely he's just he's just an animal doing what animals are instinctively doing mhm and 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 we're and we're doing what we instinctively do which is you know put a chimp on a stage and put lights in front of its, you know, face mm-hmm. and put a camera in front of its face um, because we're trying to capture that spectacle. And of yeah. course you can't really use chimps anymore. I should say, right. Of course it's, uh, and the part of the movie sur- surmises that this attack is part of the reason why as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, it, it is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad people are, experiencing that that scene with the, the complexity that i do <laughs> absolutely absolutely and uh, uh it's fascinating that you tweeted it uh, about six seven years ago as well because uh but uh, but something you tweeted recently was someone was talking about how much they loved your films and you know how you're, you're in the pantheon of horror directors uh and they said something about you know can you think of another horror director who's made three great films in a row and people were saying john carpenter and you replied something that you said something along the lines of i will not tolerate any john carpenter slander in a very very nice way obviously uh normal i normal i love john carpenter worship the man and you've got the great keith david in this film so you must have had conversations about about Carpenter on set? You no, know, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't go for it. You know, I I have been meaning to meet with Carpenter, and to be honest, I've I've been so um, intimidated and like, oh my god, like what if I meet him and he hates me? And like, oh my god, I don't know. <laughs> so I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it happen. But um, Keith David, it's just like it's hard to know where to start with him, and he did have some good the thing stories but i i don't i i, I don't remember them because again i'm in i'm in like awe with these with these people from the 90s i'm i'm just like i'm this weird sucker like keith david michael wincott to me that's like that's like that's like my denzel and daniel day i don't know what to tell you <laughs> like that's my you know Mor- morgie freeman you know well morgie freeman's my morgie freeman <laughs> yes i think so but uh but i i, I absolutely i see what you mean absolutely but uh but but of course you know john carpenter kurt russell he's got his little yeah. he's got his his repertory company but kurt russell is you know his is his guy his go-to guy for so many years daniel kaluuya is clearly your go-to guy as well when did you first realize he was the kurt to your john carpenter or the you know the 
the, the, the Bruce Campbell to your Sam Raimi or the Denzel to your Spike Lee? I was already, I was already talking like that when we were doing Get Out, by the way. I was already <laughs> like, lock it down now, because this is, <laughs> it ain't going to get better than this right here. This is, I knew I had, you know, one of the best actors of all time, honestly. And that, that is one of those things that, um, I mean, just what a, what a gift for a first-time director to find that at that same part in his career where he deserves this thing and, and I've got the thing, you know? <laughs> so we have a trust. We have a trust. You have a trust. How do you, how do you direct him? Do you have a shorthand already? Two films in? Do you just go up and By the way, like, I tell contact? everybody they're my something. Okay. I, I, I tell everyone they're my something, you know? <laughs> You're like... You know, for instance, you're my, you're uh-huh. my Oprah right now. Oh, really? Okay. You know, I mean? you, know <laughs> you got to give them, uh, get them on board. And then when it works and when you blow up next year, uh-huh. you win all the, you know, all the journalist awards, then I'm like, bro, we got to do another one. Hey, Jordan, not, not, the toot, back then. not to toot my own horn. I just won an award. Like, oh, like congratulations. the other way. I mean, it's not an Oscar, but you know, it, it's okay. It looks very nice <laughs> on my windowsill. So, well, well, yeah. Hey, yeah. Well, this, we already, okay. So you got the accolades. So we're already here. <laughs> I know you haven't really announced what's next yet, but if we troll through your tweets from 2015, 2016, will that give us a clue to what's coming up next? I doubt it. <laughs> um, I, I, I doubt it. I mean, I'm, uh, I, I don't know what's next. I have, uh, there, there, there are a few ideas percolating, but there, you know, I need to kind of sit, sink into the, the world a bit and, and allow the, 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 the world to sort of tell me which one is the next one. So that's what my next couple of months will be spent doing. So just sitting and watching and waiting. Still watching, waiting, looking at my coffee. Um, there is, uh, you know, no, but there, yeah. watch it. If you if you uh, watch, you know, good films, mm-hmm. you'll get inspired, even if the it has nothing to do with anything you you want to do. Um, that 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 will work for me. But sometimes the inspiration comes instantly, and sometimes it comes in a, a long time but yeah i do need to do some watching and listening and can't just be always expressing yourself yeah you've got to you've got to you know internalize a little bit shut down for a bit. something to, you have to listen yeah absolutely which is which is very useful in interviews so you know uh, you know uh, listen as your oprah i'm listening and i also know that i have to wrap this up so so jordan <laughs> that is one of the biggest compliments anyone has ever paid me thank you so much for that uh, it's been an absolute you're pleasure welcome, thank sir. you all right you're the man thank you very much chris okay so that was jordan peel and nope is out this week and we will be reviewing it later on in the show so Time for movie news. What has been happening in the world of movie news? Is there any, uh, have Warner Brothers Discovery committed any more weird shit? <laughs> well, you covered the Pennyworth thing. Yeah. so um, Pennyworth. You mean a- Pennyworth, the origins of Batman's butler, Helen? Let's get it right. <laughs> Sorry. <I can't. laughs> Why 
is this happening? <laughs> We're in the worst timeline. Oh, Jesus. Uh, um, hey, speaking of the worst timeline, um, oh. the Joker sequel, there was a bit more casting news. So we know that Lady Gaga's in it. We <laughs> all think she's playing Harley Quinn. Um, it hasn't technically officially apparently been announced that she's playing Harley Quinn, but that's the supposition. Um, but Zazie Beetz is apparently also in talks to return. Really? Yeah. Yes. That's interesting, given that it seemed... It was open-ended, wasn't it, in it the, in the was, last movie, about whether yeah. she had been murderized. Mm. So I guess, well, you, know, you can be murderized and still come back in a movie. Especially if you're essentially a, a character in his head, uh, very mm. only loosely connected to a real human being in the first place, which was the case, obviously, spoiler for Joker, but like, you know. I don't care. I was like, terrible. whatever. Like, if if they didn't want me to spoil the Joker, they shouldn't have spoiled it themselves <laughs> when they made it. Even Batman's looking at this going, he should probably ease off in Joker. <laughs> He's not that bad. I mean, come on. <laughs> Give the guy a break. So, yes. So that is, uh, that, that's a thing that is happening. She is apparently in talks to join. Good honour. Hmm. Well done. But it doesn't shoot until the end of the year. So there's some time for more announcements. There's some time. And for, for them to, you know, nothing. stop. Well, I mean, yeah, completely why stop they, and why do nothing. Stop? Well, for Helen, presumably. Do you for think me. they'll do original <laughs> songs or are these going to be adaptations of songs? I think this will, these will be adaptations of musical classics. All right, okay. I was made very happy by Twitter this week because Prey, the movie, which we talked about last week, which is fabulous, uh, ended up on the radar of some of the cast of Predator and Jesse Ventura tweeted that uh, he loved it. He says, great, great film, Amber Midthumber. You definitely ain't got time to bleed. And that made me very happy. And then Bill Duke chimed in and yeah. said again, he said, this young woman has a bright career ahead of her. Welcome to the Predator family. I see you. Turn around. Anytime. Wow. Oh. So you're pushing the the boundaries of what we consider to be movie news there. Uh, and well, I, I admire that. Sure. Here, here is a nice thing that happened. <laughs> it's yeah. a nice thing that happened that made me smile. There that's what the section is, I mean, right? in fairness, that's him good. smiling is news. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Neil, do you have any movie news? Uh, <laughs> any actual, Neil's afraid. Any, <laughs> Neil is visibly afraid at this point. Any actual movie news would be lovely. Uh, I saw that Tom Cruise and um, Chris McQuarrie want to make a movie musical and more. But that's about <laughs> all I know because my internet is not working in here. Oh, good. I'm so sorry. No, that's that's fine. There was a, there was a report this week that obviously their their time and mission comes to an end. I think Mission Impossible Eight is scheduled to stop filming somewhere around March of 2026. <laughs> I don't know where things are going. No, it's Mission Mission Seven's out next year, and Mission Eight is out the year after that. And then it's been widely reported that is it for Ethan Hunt. Whether that means it ends with him finally falling off a plane to his doom. That would be a really bleak last three minutes as we watch him fall in real time. Um, <laughs> not Tom Cruise fall no, in real time, course. obviously, but we watch Ethan Hunt fall in real time and then just splat in the distance. That would be that would be terrible, quite frankly. So don't do that uh, if you're working in those movies and you can influence the outcome in any way. Uh, but after that, you know the Macquarie Cruise train, it just keeps on going. It ain't stopping for anything. So they are apparently working on an original movie musical with mm. original songs that will see Tom Cruise sing and dance to his heart's content. Uh, there is uh, also going to be an original action thriller that they're working on, which isn't mission related, and one other as well. And like you, I can't remember what it is. So I'm <laughs> going to say right now, it's a reboot of the Problem Child franchise. Oh, wasn't yeah. it also a, Le a Grossman movie? A Les Grossman Les movie. Grossman. That's that it. was it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So they're going to work on. They're, they're apparently fascinated with the Les Grossman character. I do wonder if the window 
on that character has shut. They did announce something ages ago. I they think did. when, like maybe shortly after he was Les Grossman. And nothing ever materialized. Because there seemed to be a time to do that movie, and yeah. that time was in the six months to a year after mm. Tropic Thunder mm. came I agree. out. And th- there is a little bit of a worry that the, length, the Grossman character did draw quite heavily from one particular Hollywood producer who is very much not somebody that we enjoy talking about oh. anymore. Did he? I thought he was more based on the other fellow. I mean, there is, he's obviously a composite, but there was definitely elements taken from. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Uh, all right. Well, you know, uh, that's the one I'm least excited about. Mm. Uh, but I, I guess they're they're talking to each other and going, maybe we don't have to reinvent the action wheel every single time we, we make a movie. We can do other things. Uh, and since they are batting, what I believe the, the phrase is in the States, 500 so far in terms of their collaborations, they can make as many Cruz Macquarie films. And obviously Macquarie was, was heavily involved in Top Gun Maverick as yep. well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. More power to the elbow is what I say. I think this is the musical I want to see compared to Joker 2. Yeah, me too. You say that a lot, more power to his elbow. Is this a snooker reference? What does this mean? I think it's a musical thing, isn't it? Is it? Is it? Oh, I've never heard of it. What is elbow power? Like, is it like desert power, but more more middle class? If you're using something that requires your elbow and you want more power to it, then well done. Well done, more power to your elbow. I don't do that much with my elbows. Don't, don't. We don't ask you for explanations of English things. <laughs> Some of the shit you say on here. <laughs> if, I, if I took you up on that, we'd be here all week. Fair enough. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, more power to your elbow, Jimbo. Thanks for, thanks for doing that. Thanks for holding your feet to the flames on that one. Speaking of which. Yes. Do you see that the Russos were on the Happy Sad Confused podcast this week? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they mentioned that Kevin Feige had originally mooted that all the Avengers die at the end of Endgame. Oh. I mean, it have a certain amount of, you know, passing of the torch to it, wouldn't yeah. it? No, sorry, the human torch is part of the Fantastic Four, Helen, that'd be ridiculous. It would be really nice if one day I could just say one thing and you would actually engage in a conversation no, about it. Yes, Helen, no, I, do, I, I think it would have maybe been a little bit heavy, but don't you think, like, so I think that, that when Splatasha Romanoft dies mm-hmm. and obviously then Tony dies that the impact of that is massive flat widow uh, but if if you know if they'd all died it, I think it would have taken away I don't think it would have, it would have landed in the same way it would have been fucking bleak and very bold yeah but yeah. I, I don't think that would have worked for anyone I do think it would have worked as well I no, they, no, they I, made the right choice I think they killed off the right people and carried on as you know they've, they've done well to carry on with the characters they've still got I mean sure if you're going to kill them all and then Thanos would live then you know we could have a conversation but uh, no we couldn't no <laughs> no one agrees with that. Just Helen, saying. I just wish at once if James says something that you would engage and have a proper conversation with us. <laughs> if he would say something original, I absolutely would. <laughs> oh, more power to both your elbows, that's what I say. Uh, James, I, I'm, I'm going to um, give you a task. All right, so I'm going to talk to Helen and Neil now, okay, about some stuff. The next time you speak in this segment, I want you to have some actual movie news. Not stuff you've seen on Twitter or stuff you heard on a rival podcast. We love Josh. We love him to bits. But come on, man. Seriously. All right. Do either of you have any actual movie news that was broken or appeared on either EmpireOnline.com, Variety, Deadline, The Hollywood Reporter, or The Wrap? I do. Ethan Cohen is making another movie. Brilliant. Yes. And he has cast Margaret Qualley in it. Along Great. with Geraldine Viswanathan. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Apologies. Geraldine is correct, yes. Geraldine, thank you so much. Uh, so yeah, it's I, I we don't know much about it. There have been no announcements for title, What's it character, called? or plot. So that's it. We just Literally, we, we know nothing. He's making a film. Margaret Qualley is in it, and Geraldine 
There's one of them. And it's solo, isn't it? It's, it's, um, yes, it's, it's no, one solo was made by Ron. Oh, yes, yeah, so. It's why, why, you could, I, I mean, you just could once, try. you I could wish just kneel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's by, so it's, 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 it's without Joe, yeah. uh, Joel, isn't it? Yeah, I, I hope there's, I, I, I'm sure there isn't a schism. I'm sure there isn't a schism, but I know that Ethan is working, he's done a documentary. And I know that he's he's also been announced. There there was another film previously announced, which was going to be some sort of sex comedy. I think I remember reading that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, great to see them finally plowing their own furrow. But those guys, when they when they're together yeah. as the Coen brothers, uh, they make such beautiful, sweet music and uh, and great movies as well. So uh, I I hope that this isn't the end of the Coen brothers. Oh, I hope too. that you know, I, not dissing the ballad of Buster Scruggs in any way, shape, or form. But I would hope that that's not the last movie that bears the Coen Brothers' name. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like The Tragedy of Macbeth, but still, I love their films together more. Probably. What would Ethan have brought to that, I wonder? I don't know. A hat but... running around. <laughs> <laughs> Blowing around. Blowing around yeah. in the wind. A hula hoop. John Goodman you know, screaming. For kids. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, for kids. Oh, man, we still haven't done a Coen Brothers ranking oh. one day. One I, day. I thought we no, did. No, no, it's been on the list many, many times. I think we've, I've even scheduled it two or three times and then it's just fallen apart. Oh, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, yeah, one day. We should one see. Day. Yes. There are many, day. many rankings in the works. Jimbo, I've given you at least three minutes. <laughs> do you have any actual bona fide movie news? No. But I do have, <laughs> I do have some TV news. <laughs> Jason Isaacs, we all love Jason Isaacs. Has a new role. I was just speaking to Jason Isaacs. Were you speaking to him about Cary Grant? I was. Were you? Yeah, for the new issue of Empire. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Did he say whether or not he thinks Chris Evans is more attractive? Um, <laughs> it wasn't, no, the, the, it wasn't the, the issue wasn't Cary Grant. Was it not? Gene no, Kelly. it was Gene Kelly. Oh, that's right. So, so who are we saying then? Cary Grant or Chris Evans? Oh. Um, I mean, Cary Grant's probably... Cary Grant's Cary Grant, you know. So. That's a non-answer. Like, <laughs> it's really so, not. so we're I saying like... if there were two doors and behind one was Cap with the shield and the hammer. Oh, hang uh, on. Oh, and the beard. <laughs> and, and the beard. beard. Oh, no, hang on. Okay, and on right. the other, behind the other door was none other than Archie Alexander Leach. Wow, good googling. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this, is a, this is a tough call. Is he wearing the grey suit from uh, North by Northwest? He might be, but he doesn't have a hammer. Cap has the beard, then it's Cap with the beard. Okay, that, that, what was your news? Uh, Jason Isaacs is playing Harry Grant in TV. Yes, he's uh, in a show called Archie, which That's is right. going to be a four-part uh, show on ITV next year. Slash Britbox. Directed by Paul Andrew Williams. Mm. Uh, so thank you for going with that, rather than, say, Sony looking to make new Karate Kid film. That, I mean, you could have gone with that. I could have done, but I don't care. Uh, well, that's probably... Uh, you could have gone. Were there any trailers out this week? Yeah, quite a few good trailers. Okay. Um, not all of which I've watched on repeat. So, but um, but it's worth looking at Bones and All, which is the Luca Guadagnino um, latest with Timmy Timmy Two Meats uh, back again. Um, hey, that is going to be that's going to be debuting at Venice. So that's worth a look. Bella Ramsey, one of your favourites yes. of Game of Thrones, uh, is back in a new film called Catherine Called Birdie. Um, and the trailer for that dropped this week, as did The Menu, which is Anya Taylor-Joy uh, facing off against Rafe Fiennes when she goes out for dinner, and he turns out to be really scary somehow. So, um, so yeah. Does he order right. off-menu? No, he's that? the chef. Oh, all right. Yeah. Menus can be scary. Mm. Yeah. If you've not looked at them in advance. Well, some of them are in French. 
I, I think cannibalism is is heavily implied mm. in, in this um, as well. But we shall see. But there is some sad news as well. We're going to finish the movie news section on some sad news, uh, which is that we lost the great Olivia Newton-John this week. Uh, she passed away after a long. Uh, and recurring battle with breast cancer at the age of 73, mm. just 73, my word. Uh, of course, indelible in Greece. And Sanadu as well, which I quite enjoyed. Yeah, it's kind of a weird film. I haven't seen it in years. I, mm. I, I, reading lots of tributes this week did make me want to go back and watch it again. Uh, mm. Obviously, Gene Kelly's last performance um, in that film. But uh, but no, it was it was really striking just how many people came out to say how much they loved her and also what a nice person she was, not just... She was good at her job, but yeah. she was good at being a human being as well. Very, very heartfelt tribute for John Travolta, of course, in particular. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I worked with her on Greece and on a few extra occasions. So, um, yeah, what a, what a sad day. Sad day indeed. Olivia Newton-John, who passed away this week at the age of 73. Time now for our final guest this week. Who do you want, Ari Fulman or Ari Fulman? Oh, can we not do Ari Fulman? Let's do Ari Fulman instead, shall we? So Ari Fulman is the award nominated. He's been nominated for BAFTAs. Uh, we've we've just discovered it hasn't been nominated for an Oscar for for anything, which seems faintly ridiculous. But but there you go. He is the director of the great film from two thousand eight, Waltz with Bashir. Uh, then he made a, another film, which was a live action animation hybrid, a few years later with Robin Wright, called The Congress. Which and is fantastic, then, actually. You're a fan of that film. I really like it. Oh, that's, that's it's weird good. as hell, but really, really good. Yeah, it is very, very weird. And uh, and it's been a while since he last directed a movie, but he is back, back, back this week with uh, another animated movie, one I thought was absolutely terrific. It's called Where Is Anne Frank? And it is a, a fantasy of sorts in which Anne Frank's imaginary friend Kitty, who is constantly referenced in the diaries that Anne Frank wrote when she and her family were hiding from the Nazis, in Amsterdam uh, in during World War II. Uh, she referenced Kitty quite a lot, so uh, Ari Fulman has imagined this tale where Kitty comes to life in the present day and starts to look for her friend Anne Frank and finds, of course, Anne Frank is everywhere, but obviously that many of the things that Anne Frank symbolised and stood for uh, are still very, very much with us today, battles to be fought today. So it's a really reflective, but also... Uh, kid-friendly history lesson, I would say, has been, been you know made by Ari Fulman, designed to be watched by kids and enjoyed by adults. Of course, I thought it was it was great, and so when the chance came to talk to him, I leapt at it, and we had a chat about making the movie, of course, and the state of animation as it is. He's an independent animator. What's that like in a world that's dominated by Pixar and DreamWorks and Chris Melodandri's Illumination and all? those giants, how can you and Cartoon Saloon still function in this world? Uh, and then at a certain point, you'll hear it in the, uh, in the interview, um, I promise I don't do this deliberately, but Liverpool Football Club came up. Turns out he's a huge fan. So there's a little bit of Liverpool chat in that interview. But there you go. What can you do? Greatest club in the world and all that. Here we go. Ari Fallman, do please enjoy. Congratulations on the film. I thought it was absolutely terrific. And it is, it's a film that has been eight years in the making. And of course, it debuted at Cannes last year. So that's a further delay for you while, you know, waiting for people to actually see uh, where is Anne Frank. Uh, and it's been, it's been roughly eight years then since your last movie, The Congress. And then before that, there were five years between that and Waltz with Bashir. 
Is that just part of the life of an animation director, that it's just going to be long gaps between projects? Well, it will never, ever happen again. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Also, I can tell you that if, it would, if, if I would have known that it would take eight years to do the movie, I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I had no clue. I mean, I signed a contract with the Anne Frank Foundation right after the Congress, which was 2013. And I was obliged to submit uh, for the Cannes Committee of 2017 the finished Anne Frank film. Mm-hmm. And practically, uh, the production started after the contract terminated because we started designing in 2018. And all the first four years were for development and raising money. This was the main issue. Okay. And only after we published the graphic diary in late 2017, which was a massive success, Mm-hmm. Uh, very surprising, I have to say. I had no expectation. It sold 1.8 million copies very fast with 26 languages. Only when distributors uh, saw the success of the book, they jumped into the movie. But before that, there was no way I could convince big players that I can make a movie that, I don't think it's a Holocaust movie, but it's a coming-of-age movie taking place during Holocaust time. Mm-hmm that will be commercial for children. Yes, yeah. I, I, it's, it's interesting that you can, you can see from the outside why there would be certain trepidation about that, given how delicate the subject matter is. Uh, is, is that some, uh, but from your point of view, was that something that you were frustrated by, that people would not... Absolutely. Yeah. I, thought, I, I truly believe with this IP, with the name Anne Frank, mm-hmm. it would be easy. Not easy making an animated movie. It's always a disaster. <laughs> it's so tough. It's unbelievably tough. But just creating a nice budget to work within and everything, I thought it would be... I had no clue how tough it's, it's going to be. Wow. Also, the film, um, the level of animation and development is so high. Mm-hmm. In European terms, what we did, and the budget is so high in this uh, structure of European co-production, it's very rare. So, uh, but like always with me, I had no clue what I'm going into. I'm interested in the state of animation in general right now. You obviously, over the last few years, over the last couple of decades, actually, we've had these mammoth uh, American studios, obviously the Pixars, the DreamWorks, the uh, Illuminations of this world. And then you have independent animations. You know, obviously, what, what Studio Ghibli has done out there in Japan. You have uh, the Cartoon Saloon guys in Ireland. You have yourself. How difficult is it? Has the, has the landscape changed for independent animation? Is it, is it harder than ever? to get movies made in the shadow of these huge giants? Yes, I think it's harder than ever. In general, if you look at the other side, well, I'm not sure about Seoul, but uh, since Inside Out, I didn't see any innovative movie coming out of this part of the world at all. 
And the fact that they're doing sequels all the time just proves it again and again. Uh, if you think of uh, Wally, if you think about the first Nemo, if you think about Ratatouille, mm-hmm. you know, uh, put, put a mouse in the kitchen. It's, it's daring. What a great movie it was. Mm-hmm. And you compare, you compare this and up, putting in the front this old man and this surprising guy with him and everything. These were very daring, exceptional movies that, that were fantastic. And they, they're not comparable to anything going on now. On the other side, the demand today, especially now that people are going less to the cinemas with all the streaming and everything, to compete with a giant $200 million budget movie and still bring kids to the audience is nearly impossible. Kids to the, to the theaters. Mm-hmm. I think it's nearly impossible. So I think the studio in Ireland, it will be tougher for them, tougher for me. Um, unless you work for streaming, like they did with I Lost My Body, but it's a... It's animation for a dog, lovely movie. And also, you know, looking around, I think all the people I know, most of them, they don't want to do, they don't want to feature films anymore. They want to do television. Interesting. Why do an animated feature film if I can do uh, two seasons of an animated, animated TV series for children or for young audience? And I might have more seasons and economically, obviously, I'm in a way better position and I know that people will watch it. And it, 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 is, it is true for animation and also true for live. I mean, the people I worked with in Europe uh, since 2004, they rarely do films now. One of the things I loved about Where is Anne Frank and indeed Waltz with Bashir as well is, is just how how much it feels different than anything else is out there. It looks different than anything else is out there. There has been, you know, again, since the rise of Pixar and DreamWorks, there has been a homogenization of animation and how animated characters look and how we expect them to look and how we expect them to act. And that is something that you you don't do. You You resist that. Well, we try. I try every film to do something new. Mm-hmm. This, in this film, we try to make the combination of stop-motion backgrounds and uh, 2D characters. Yes. And I don't think it, it has been done in, in feature films before. Obviously, during the process and coming to London and shooting the stop-motion, I fell in love with the idea of doing the entire movie in stop-motion. And I lost another year of my life because there was no way I could do it. Okay. Uh, so we had a test and we tried to raise the money, but this was way be- be beyond my capacity of budget. So I came back to the preliminary idea of making combination. And uh, I think uh, what we did in this movie, different to the previous two, we did uh, in development of characters, we, we just took it uh, to, the, to, the, to, to the extreme. Because each character was sculptured, mm-hmm. and uh, bef- after they were sculptured, we had uh, photographers, still photographers, who took pictures for uh, 150 different position, facial positions, 
Then we translated the photos into, into uh, turns and character sheets in 2D again with pencils. Wow. So each and every animator had, um, had um, a character sheet of 150 positions of each character of the movie. So they don't invent positions. Everything was, uh, was there. So we did some, some crazy stuff, honestly. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, was that Unchained Melody, by the way, on your, on your ringtone? Uh, it's, uh, it's the Liverpool anthem. That was never your Liverpool Walk Alone? Yeah, Never Walk Alone, of course. My hearing's off. My hearing's off. Uh, you're a Liverpool fan, Ari. I'm a crazy Liverpool fan. I come every year. I was in Istanbul. And the best picture I ever took, I think, was in Istanbul. Because I had my DVX 1000 Sony camera with me, and I, I went out at halftime. I called my wife. I told her uh, if I was not drunk, I would have walked the five kilometers back to the city. And she said, you have nothing to lose. Just go back. And I opened my camera, and I sat by the end of the stand. So you have a profile of me. And 30,000 Liverpool fans, okay? <laughs> and you see, you see it happening. You see those minutes, seven minutes, you see everything happening. But you don't see the pitch. You just see the crowd. And it's, it's the best film I did. You know? It was not nominated for an Oscar, nothing. I just, I just see? There you so, go. There yeah. we go. Absolutely. Jerry and the pacemakers. Uh, okay. Well, listen, I could, I could go off topic and talk about Liverpool all day long uh, because I was also in Istanbul. And, uh, I'm, Istanbul? I was in Istanbul, yeah. I, I, might be, I might be in your film. I might be in the crowd. Going, I want to check that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't have you for much longer, so I, I want to talk about the film uh, specifically as well because... We don't want to talk about football because I've been talking about this film for Oh, believe me, I would love to. But then the regular listeners to the show would go, oh, no, he's talking about football again. So <laughs> maybe another time, another time we can talk about Liverpool. Um, uh, if you insist. Because, because I know you've, you've said in previous interviews that um, you specifically wanted this to be a film for kids and that kids could watch. And given... Again, the delicacy of the subject matter and the darkness of the subject matter. Can you talk about that tonal tightrope? Was there anything in, in that, in tackling the war? Yeah, it was, it was the first time I had to challenge animation for children. And mm. I see the family movie. As I said, it was really hard to convince that it can be done. Um, really hard. Honestly, I... I, I came to the conclusion only by working on this film that never in my life I thought about the audience one second before. I couldn't care making the movies. And if they were successful in the cinemas, fine. If they were not, it was depressing, but there was nothing I could do about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and this film, I think every line, every scene, every, every design choice, everything, was uh, in, the, in the thinking that children are watching. And when I started, I had three teenage children at home. They were very involved in the writing of the script with everything. Came up with ideas because 
I never, I, I mean, I, I was not sure I, I knew how to do it. What was the way in? Because it's, it's such an interesting uh, way of tackling Anne Frank's story by bringing Kitty, her imaginary friend, into the modern day. That presumably wasn't an idea you had on day one. At what point? No, I had no, I, when I committed, I didn't want to commit uh, to the Anne Frank Foundation, but finally when I did, I knew only that it will be animated and for children. I knew that I will, I will have in my movie the last seven months in Anne Frank's life, which is not, it's a story that is not told mm-hmm. uh, because how tragic and tough it is. And even in the original title made by Stevens in 59, there was the last act in Bergen-Belsen, but when Otto Frank came to New York, for the test screenings, and he saw the reaction of the audience, he cut it out. He, he, he demanded to have it out of the movie. So I knew that I want to do that, and then the challenge of how to do it to children with the parallel, with Greek mythology and everything. Mm-hmm. And then uh, to pay tribute to the heritage and legacy of Otto Frank, connecting between past and present without, comparison, com- uh, without any comparison, Meaning, um, how do we connect uh, and use the memory of Anne Frank as a tool of awareness to what is going, still going on in the world, continuously since the war, ever. Mm. Uh, so these were the three things I knew. I didn't have a clue how I'm going to do it. But I did have a, an emotional feeling that the answer is in the diary. So I read it excessively. Probably I read 50 times the page where she describes uh, her imaginary friend Kitty, and I thought, okay, this is a real manual for a, for a designer how to create Kitty. And uh, we went on drawing Kitty, Lena Guberman, the designer. And once I saw her on the screen, Kitty, I mean, on the computer screen here, mm-hmm. I knew that she's going to be the storyteller. Mm. I've got it to go in a second, but uh, but you said at the beginning that there would not be an eight-year gap uh, between this movie and your next project. So have you have you started tinkering with something already? Well, it's not going to be animated, I can tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm adapting now a Ukrainian novel uh, called Death and the Penguin by Andrei Kurkov which is originally happening in the 90s, um, 1990s, the collapse of communism. Funny movie. Uh, but now with Kukov, we, as what happened, happened. I mean, I purchased the right more than a year ago. I didn't know what was going to, how life is going to change. Yes. So now we're doing the adaptation. It's a lovely, dark, a satire comedy by a lovely writer. And compared to everything I did, although it's the Ukraine and there's war and everything, it's fun. (laughs) It's live action. We have a penguin in CGI, probably. Not stop motion Uh, then. No, CGI penguin. I think the last director was about to do it. He told the producers, the ex-producers, look, I'm going to have a break. There's this film. I'm just going to learn how to do a penguin in CGI. There's this film they offered me called Paddington. And the rest is history. (laughs) (laughs) He never came back. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, listen, uh, I hope it all works out for you uh, as as much as Paddington did for that other guy uh, as well. Uh, and the most, who, who do you think is the most genius player on the pitch we have? For Liverpool, I'm well. I'm a big I'm a big Mo Salah fan. I think he's I think he's probably the best player in the world. And he is, but in terms of brains, oh, Tiago, Tiago, see, Tiago is uh, is he has 200 IQ. He's he's a, he's a genius. Yeah, watching him, watching him in the flesh is is quite something, and uh, and just just to prove that I am not, that's me in Istanbul. Uh, oh, wearing a suit because I was I was given tickets in the UEFA section. So you were a class act, as proletarian. We didn't have. <laughs> I wouldn't say it was a class act, but you know maybe I'm a good luck charm. Who knows? Ari, it's been an absolute pleasure Thank talking to you, and you. Uh, always nice to meet a fellow red unexpectedly. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take yeah. care, sir. Bye bye. Okay, so that was Ari Fullman. We will be talking about Where is Anne Frank later in the show because now it's time for the reviews part of the show. And is there anywhere better to start with than Nope? Nope. Nope. Good. They're gonna, yeah, I set them up. You guys and knock them down. Right. Occasionally yeah. you stumble <laughs> over them on your way. But uh, we got there in the end. So Nope. Yes, the third film as writer-director for Jordan Peele. Uh, Helen. Hi. Oh, thanks so much. Um, This is uh, set at a horse ranch uh, where a small family uh, of horse trainers, they they work training horses for Hollywood films, Mm -hmm. and they start noticing strange things going on. Strange things? Strange things? No, it's not the upside down. Spoiler. That's that's all I'm going to tell you. But I can tell you that um, Keith David is the patriarch of this family, that Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer are his children, and that they're all sort of uh, struggling to get by. I think it's fair to say it's mm. a difficult business to be in. You know, you are considered disposable by the studios. Um, you are called on at the last minute and then potentially let go pretty soon after. And so when these strange things start happening, they see an opportunity. Like maybe if we can capture whatever this is on film, we can actually make some money, make ourselves secure and improve our our lot in life. There's also a whole thread with their neighbor, Stephen Yun, who uh, runs a sort of uh, Western amusement park uh, experience thing next door. Uh, and there are various characters who come in and go, who I won't uh, get into too much. But it's, yeah, it's scary. It's mysterious. Um, there are moments of kind of action cinema, I think, as well. There's some strange running joke is the wrong word a strange running thread about an old sitcom yeah uh, isn't that just yeah, yeah. Um, which we talked about uh, Jordan Peele and I so we talked about that to an extent okay yeah. but um, but it's 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 an odd film and it's a little bit more difficult I think to put your finger on exactly what Jordan Peele is, is really getting into and discussing with this uh, than it was maybe with with Get Out or even with with us, I would say actually. But it, but it is fascinating, and I did have a really good time watching it. It is very very entertaining, but there's also a lot going on that I, ha- I feel like I mm. haven't unpacked yet. We we watched it together. Mm-hmm. We did, and uh, I, I it was a strange one for me. I I love Get Out. I really love Us actually, which I know is quite polarizing. But with this one, I kind of I had one of those slight Emperor's New Clothes moments where I read all of these gushing reviews about all the subtext and how clever it was. And Palmy was thinking, how much of that is projection? Like, I think it's good. I think it's not short of ideas. And some of the stuff itself really surprised me with how inventive it was and how it's kind of skewers your expectations Mm. and goes in completely different directions. But it's also, like, it takes its sweet time. It has a strange pacing to it. It's not 
often exciting. There are moments of excitement. I wouldn't say it's an exciting film. It's not ponderous either. It's thoughtful. Um, and Kalia's eye acting remains the best in the world. <laughs> but I, and at times I wasn't sure, or maybe it's my family, but I wasn't sure quite what he was as Helen said, quite what, quite what he was trying to convey. And it felt like maybe he had a handful of different ideas and he flits between them and doesn't dwell on one long enough for you to really peel back the layers of it before he gets bored and moves on to something else. So it's a slightly attention deficit film for me. Mm. And it sort of, it, it hops all over the place. Like I say, invention, yes, great moments in it, but then long moments where I was a bit like, is there subtext here I'm not just seeing or are we just watching the runtime expand? Do you know what I mean? I wasn't sure. So this didn't land with me in the way that Get Out did and it didn't land with me in the way that Us did either. Uh, that said, I did enjoy it, but I, I, you know, I don't think it's a bad film and some people have said it's his first bad film. I don't think it's a bad film at all. I don't think it has the clarity of his previous films and I don't think it has... I don't think it lands in the same way. That said, I, I applaud some of the ideas in it. Mm. This is a weird one. Okay, so we're 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 very very clearly tiptoeing around the subject matter, which we can't talk about. The yeah. plot of the film, uh, the the trailers have been fairly spoilerific. I, I wonder if we can say something about because I, I don't even think we've said the threat that this family is facing or the nature of the threat that this family is facing. I think we can say that it appears to be. Extraterrestrial, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Origin, okay. right. So yeah. we can we can say we can that. Say that. Okay, we can yeah. we can we can yeah. take that. There's there's, you know, as has been hinted at by the very first poster and and obviously by the trailers that there there may be some sort of UFO or it's called UAP now, isn't it? It's, mm -hmm. it's yeah, it's there's called, a discussion no. about that. In there's, yeah, yeah, there is, there yeah. is a discussion and and something else I watched the other day. The oh. Can't say what it was. Anyway, <laughs> but, um, uh, there's a discussion about that in another show. Uh, in a show. Ah, Neil, <laughs> save me from myself before I get sued by. <laughs> yeah, I I enjoyed it as well. I watched it recently. Yeah, it's definitely not one of his best. I think his previous two are good. They they sort of deal with more social and what have you issues like yeah. race and and where you come from and class and what have you. Whereas this is, it's more sort of dealing with Hollywood and what it can do to people and what fame does to certain people as well. Um, again, try not to say anything too mm. much because it's it's very difficult, but, but there are certain people in it who are dealing with certain aspects of that. But it's, it's essentially set near Hollywood. I think in one of the trailers is a bit where Kiki Palmer's um, Emerald is on like the Hollywood walk. Yeah, for which isn't in the film. Which isn't in the yeah. film, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's obviously nearby. But yeah, I think it's it deals with that sort of issue really well. It's not as good as his previous two, as I said, but it's it's really well done and I really enjoyed it. I think I liked it more sort of maybe one or two days after because mm. I really thought about it. But Me too. I definitely yeah. want to see it again. Mm. I, I think as well, like I, and I did have a good time watching it, but it, it's really grown on me and kind of stayed with yeah. me since. I, I will say, like, I think you're right, James, that it has... His ambitions have been expanded, and I think that's why it feels less clear. Because I think he's doing a lot here, mm -hmm. and there's mm -hmm. a lot of stuff going on, and there's a lot to unpack, and that's maybe why it doesn't have the initial impact mm. of a Get Out. But I think it's going to linger in a way, and and it is a really good um, Hollywood film and about a mm. side of Hollywood that we don't see discussed as often, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. Um, so I find that that kind of stuff fascinating, and I, I find the sort of uh, trying to figure out what was happening and figure out how to deal with what was happening aspects quite fun. You know, the sort of smart people in a room trying to figure their way out through stuff. Um, mm. Not always quite smart enough people in this case. But, uh, that's, right. yeah. that's one of the things I like about it. Yeah. These guys, you know, and, and, and there's there's stuff in there as as 
you know, as as Neil was saying, and as as uh, I think you heard my interview with with Jordan Peele, the old Garth Marenghi quote: "I know writers use subtext and are all cowards." And <laughs> you know, the, the the danger with films like this is sometimes the subtext might overwhelm the text. Mm. I don't think he does that. No, yet. I don't think, I think so. There's, yeah. But there's so much on, you know, the spoiler special for this film is going to be really fascinating. Um, I don't know whether I'm going to be able to be part of that conversation whenever we get the time to do it. But uh, there's a lot to dig into. There's, you know, past trauma and how the, how that manifests and everybody, every character in this is dealing with something from the past. There's the pursuit of fame at all costs and what that says is as Jordan Peele says as well it's about the 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 way the spectacle has overtaken blockbuster films and how that what that says about us as a society there's also a a uh, racial element to it mm-hmm. as well there's an element discussing race and discussing you know the 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 first film really was a black man riding a horse and he has effectively been erased from history so there's there's that to consider as well there's so much going on here and a twist I would say on your big sci-fi space movie that I haven't seen before which which tickled me a lot and I I thought it was by turns scary and funny and inventive and maybe I didn't connect with the characters although I thought Kiki Palmer is tremendous in this uh, as Daniel Kaluuya but I didn't really connect with the characters perhaps the way I did with us and with Get Out. But you can't fault the man for his ambition. And and appropriately for discussing a Jordan Peele film, I need to get out uh, because I'm going to re- meet Cherry White in advance of Pilot 200. Cherry uh, White? Jer- Jerry. Yes, Cherry White. That's what I'm meeting. <laughs> right. uh, so can't I, afford Cherry White anymore. So we're getting Cherry White. the bootleg Cherry White. She will be a Pilot 200. Uh, so I will see you all next time. All right. Bye. Bye, Bye James. Bye. But I think this film is is terrific. I had a great time with it. I didn't have a five star time, but uh, mm. but our reviewer did for the magazine, and so we gave this one five stars. Five mm. stars then for Nope. Get out. Get five. Got five as well. Us got four, didn't it? Think so. I was going to say so, otherwise yeah. that'd be five, five, five. That'd be a way to start your career. You know, he's doing all right. Doing I mean, well. he's got an Oscar and stuff, and like, <laughs> yeah. each of his films has made a hundred million dollar at the box office in the in the states. So you know, but the real prize is the five-star Empire Review. <laughs> Let me tell you, my friends, you can't come by those things easily. Gold dust. Gold dust, yeah. You just have to wait for some <laughs> sort of moron to lose the run of ourselves and then give a Star Wars film five stars because Yoda has a lightsaber. Uh, but don't worry, it's about past trauma and come to terms with how we move on. <laughs> We're all trying to move on from that. We are all trying to move on, yet we can't. Uh, we can't. We, we can can't. move on. Yeah, we can't move on. Uh, anyway, we should move on uh, mm. because we have other films to talk about. So the Jamie Foxx vampire film Day Shift, which is on Netflix as of today, by the time you listen to this, Friday, August 12th, uh, was not screened to press. You'd be shocked to hear. Uh, So we're going to review that one on next week's show. And we're also going to review the Owen Wilson-led superhero comedy Secret Headquarters, which I have seen, uh, but because you guys haven't, we're going to hold off on that until next week as well. It's it's good, kiddie-friendly fun is what I would say. So there you go. There's there's my mini capsule review of Secret Headquarters. That's on Paramount Plus. That is on Paramount Plus. But other films that are out this week, there is one that's in the cinemas and I believe you can see it on Curzon Home Cinema as well. Probably wrong about that, but you know, hey-ho, this wouldn't be the first time I've been wrong about something and it's Eiffel. Uh, and Neil got an Eiffel of this movie. Oh boy. Oh, wow. Did it tower above everything else this week? Or? Oh boy. 
Sacro Blue, Arc de Triomphe. Uh, Neil, what do you think of this? I feel I shouldn't give my opinion now. <laughs> <laughs> Just in protest. Uh, yeah, uh, so this is uh, essentially the construction of the Eiffel Tower or Eiffel. Tour Eiffel. Tour Eiffel. Tour Eiffel. Mm, yes, yep. my friend. Two I, years of Duolingo. <laughs> I learnt that this time whilst uh, watching the film. Uh, and yeah, it's essentially with the, the man who is, is building it who also worked on the Statue of Liberty. And this is for... Fun oh. fact... Oh. He also was on the board of Gaumont early on and protected the the uh, the job of Alice Guy Blachet, one of the world's first female filmmakers. Oh, that's a cool fact. He What's was a cool his name? Guy. Gustave Eiffel. He had the same name as a tower. Yes, what are the chances of that? I know, right? So crazy. Wow, okay. It's weird he'd erect something so big and put his name on it. Hey, come on now, Neil. <laughs> You're bringing the you're bringing the quality and the tone of this podcast down, and that's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me. Is he though? <laughs> if anything, you've elevated it. <laughs> anyway, speaking of elevators, yes. Please carry on. So, whilst the construction is going on, there's a, a flashback story which involves uh, a lady. Uh, there's a kind of a love story in it, which is told through flashback because he sees her, and it kind of makes him change his mind about creating the tower and and what he wants to do with that. Um, the the love story aspect of this film isn't great. Uh, I think it's quite um, laboured. It's um, it feels forced. There's no sort of chemistry between the two of them. I feel who are the two of them. Who's the um, other? It's, I'm so uh, sorry. Roman yeah, Dury is uh, Gustave Eiffel, and then you've got Emma Mackey as uh, Adrienne. Emma Mackey from that um... from Death on the Nile. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> 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 That's the TV show I was, I was I was going at, but we don't talk about TV shows. On no, no, podcast. no, he's gone. Yes, you're absolutely right. Death on the Nile. That's who. Yeah, because she's um, she um, she's bilingual. Mm. Uh, I, I much like yourself, Chris. We we je parle français, le français, no, parle français. Je parle. <laughs> I'm being taught French by a green owl. I mean, it's not going well. I don't Clearly. know. Yeah. Anyway, so Emma Mackey, I think yep. she was, she's got British parents, but she was raised in France or one British parent, one French parent, and she right. was in France or she spent a summer there. Anyway, she can speak French really well. She, she doesn't need an yeah. owl to help her do so. so no, well no, she, she speaks it really well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah so <laughs> the, the love story is, is, is not, in my opinion, not that great. It's, it's kind of, yeah, fairly awesome, maybe. But like the, they've got all this engineering around the tower, and mm-hmm. I found that. A lot more interesting, to be honest with you. They went really in depth with it. There was all these um, concepts and uh, ideas and designs and drawings. And there's a really cool scene with this ten foot model of the Eiffel Tower, which they show as um, sort of shaking, and they show how it will resist sort of wind and rain, and basically how it will deal with the elements. And there's all these really interesting parts to the engineering and the construction, including a few scenes which. If you're scared of heights, don't watch this film. It's, it's, it's oh, genuinely terrible. Yeah, it's it's got a couple of scenes that's like that, which are, it's it's really cool. Like those scenes were really really good. But yeah, it's a shame that the love story didn't, for me at least, work. But as an engineering film, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, needed more engineering, less yes. romance. I would actually agree with that. Even though I I did I didn't think they had no chemistry. I thought they were pretty good together. Right. Um, although she does look very young next to him sometimes, even when she's not meant to look vastly younger than she yeah. than he is. I, I just felt that the love story is totally invented. Like he was a mm. widower um, at the time the tower was built. There's no evidence of any of this nonsense. And of course, the film comes up with reasons why that would be the case. But 
I don't think you needed it. I think it, it, sometimes it is just good to have a story about, you know, here's a guy who did a thing. This is very biopic, kind of traditional biopic by the numbers. It's very handsome, yeah. both in the cast and, and also just the way it's put together. The costumes are, of course, fabulous, all of that. Mm. But, but it's not really, you know, challenging you. It's not going to change your life. It's just, oh, here are, here is some background to this thing that you know, which is the Eiffel Tower in this case. The thing about this is, you know, it's one of those films that's very handsomely done. And I'm not just talking about Roman Dury. You know, it, the, <laughs> the, the sets, the, the locations, the costumes, the, the way it's shot, the very, a lot of CG in those scenes of building the tower for yeah. obvious reasons. Uh, it's very it's very pretty looking. It, it's, you know, it, you can take your granny to it and if she speaks French or reads subtitles fast enough, she'll be very, very happy with you. I think the director, Martin Bourboulon, um, you know, does a good job of making just a traditional biopic. You know, this is the kind of non-challenging, very straight ahead, here's a guy who did a thing story. I, I just don't know that we needed to embellish the story as much as they really have. I feel like if you had had just his life and maybe some flashbacks through his life, if you want to bring in some of the exotic climbs he went to mm. and that kind of thing, you could have just done it that way, couldn't mm. you? You know? could have done, yeah. All right, well, we give this one two stars. Two stars then for Eiffel. Uh, what about yourselves? You've had a. You, I presume you've all been to the Eiffel Tower. You've had a, an experience mm -hmm. at the Eiffel Tower, Neil. Have you? Uh, when I was ten, so I don't remember. You were ten. Okay. I was there what four weeks ago. Four five weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, it's very crowded at the moment. There's some a lot of works going on. Here's what I would recommend if you're going. Mm -hmm. When you go, sunset is a good time to go. Sort of early evening mm -hmm. is a very good mm -hmm. time to go. The crowds tend to be slightly less. What you want to do is you get in the uh, top level of the bottom lift, you go up to the top level of the second floor, you get straight in the queue for the third floor, you go straight up to the third floor, you take your time on the way back down. The third floor always closes first. You want to get up there as soon as possible. How far up can you go? The third floor is the is the top of the tower. What? There's like three levels where you can get off a lift and that's the top one. That's the very top. That's oh. 300 meters up. Uh, the just French under, two floors in a weird way, don't, or or should I say, troisième étage? Troisième étage, mm. c'est ça. Voilà. Mm, yes, wow, Duolingo yeah. is working. That's right. <laughs> Une chouette. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, or absolument, uh, should I say? Uh, okay, that's 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 good. There you go. There you go. And you can also walk down from the second floor, but not from the third. Yes. Uh, oh, don't do what they did in Superman two and and try and stage a terrorist uh, takeover. Super yeah. good advice, Chris. Thanks. Because yeah. then Superman will appear. Uh, don't. Don't strap a nuclear bomb to an elevator in the Eiffel Tower because then Superman will appear, he will take that nuclear bomb, he will fly it up into space, the bomb will detonate in space and will free James from the Phantom Zone and nobody wants that, believe me. Good advice so, for us. Very good advice. <laughs> Two stars then for Eiffel. And finally this week we have, where is Anne Frank? No question mark. Yeah. No. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I mean, I think that films generally seem to be moving away from question marks. I mentioned the trailer for Catherine called Birdie, mm -hmm. and that no has no comma, comma yeah. uh, which it does in the title of the book. Anyway, yeah. uh, yes, this is, as you said, um, the story of Kitty. Yeah, so, you're right, because then that would be Catherine called Birdie. Like uh, Catherine called someone called, called Birdie. Like mm -hmm. she called to someone. To a Birdie. Called Birdie. Yeah. yeah. Or, or a Birdie. Indeed. Anyway, who's Harry Crumb had a fucking question mark? So I'm going to say, but who framed Roger Rabbit? I believe does not. Who framed Roger Rabbit? The who framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, who's please. on stage? Anyway, <laughs> uh, right. Okay, so where is Anne Frank? Uh, this is the film from Ari Fol uh, Folman. 
And it is, as you said, about Kitty. So she addressed her diary entries to her imaginary friend, Kitty. This has Kitty coming to life in the slightly after modern day. It's a year from now is the is the sort of uh, announcement at the beginning. And she basically kind of wakes up and has to figure out what she is, why she is, what's happening when she, she wakes up in the house, of course, next to the diary, no one can see her. But when she leaves the house with the diary, people can see her and interact with her. And then, of course, that sparks an international manhunt, woman hunt for the diary, which is, of course, this mm-hmm. incredibly precious historical object that has, has literally gone walkies in this film. It's quite a complicated sort of a setup. There's a lot of rules to Kitty's existence that you have to sort of get your head around uh, at the beginning. And I, while I agree with you that it's a really good kind of learning film for kids, I think it's not obviously for younger kids, no. very young kids, because it is about the Holocaust. This is not mm. one to plonk your five-year-old in front of. There are no talking animals and they will be quite bored slash disturbed um, by by the fact that it gets into real emotional issues, you know. So, um, so yes, we have flashbacks to the life of Anne Frank herself as sort of seen through the pages of the diary, seen through Kitty's eyes. And then also a look at this modern world and how we are treating immigrants, refugees, the needy right now and how that contrasts to this sort of deification of Anne Frank herself. So it's it's a very powerful film, I think, in that sense, and and it really does raise some issues. I maybe would have liked a little bit more of that at times. I think it, it's sort of at the start and the end, and kind of gets lost a little bit in the mm. middle. The um, the, the, the question of of modern world, but at the same time, you know, it's beautifully animated, beautifully put together, and and I think it's a really important story that now more than ever we need to be reminded of because yeah. all of these issues, yeah. as the film points out at the end are coming back mm-hmm. into the world. Racism, uh, anti-Semitism uh, is on the rise. Um, the, the forces of fascism are marching again and it is worth remembering Anne Frank now more than ever. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's really, really uh, interesting. Yes, it's not, kid, it's not kid-friendly in the way that Minions, The Rise of Gru <laughs> is kid-friendly, but it, it feels important to me and there's... Yeah. You know, it, this is tackling the darkest of subjects, and I think it does so with a remarkably light touch. Yes, uh, and it's just—it's great to see an animated film again. As I said to Ari in the uh, in the interview, it's great to see an animated film that doesn't feel like it's come from the same homogenized animation factory, uh, and it looks and feels different, and it, it's taking some interesting risks with structure and storytelling as well. Um, and I think that that's great. Um, but yes, there are scenes set in concentration camps in this. So yeah. it's not your average animated film. Absolutely. Not. But, so. but I think for older kids, I think it'll be a really, really yeah. powerful, powerful Absolutely. Tool. And it was a uh, graphic novel uh, or a book that was released last year, I believe, that tells the story of it. So they kind of got out, you know, that is this movie and tells Anne Frank's story uh, as well, which really actually really hasn't been told that often on, on screen. Not as often as you might think. No. Yeah. Uh, so films like this feel feel very important and very relevant uh, to me. So, Helen, what would you go for for this one? I think probably a four stars. Not not terribly high four stars for me, but definitely, I think probably four. Maybe, okay. a, maybe a high three. All right. High three, low four, then for Ari Fullman's Where is Anne Frank? And on that note, that is it for this week's Empire Podcast. Well, hey. There we go. Uh, join us next week for more film-related fun. We'll be joined by... Oh, look at that. Neil was doing... He was singing along. <laughs> he was singing along. I've got the Christmas number one. 
absolutely <laughs> wrapped up. Every time I listen. Um, we'll be. Jo- I can't remember who. I can never remember who. Oh yes, I know who it is. We'll be joined by Alan Cumming. Hey. Alan Cumming, who is yeah. the star of a really interesting documentary called My Old School. And he's the star of that in a very interesting way. Shall I tell you what, what no, happens? No, I think save it for next save week. Save it for next yeah. week? Yeah. All right, so he's the star of that in a very interesting way. We'll also be joined by Owen Wilson Ooh. and Henry Joost and Ariel Shulman, the directors of Secret Headquarters. Wow. So, wow. 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 Uh, so that interview's in the bag. Why? That interview's in the bag. Uh, Alan Cumming, I'm doing uh, tomorrow. Good stuff. So there you Great. go. Uh, that is it from the Empire Podcast. It's time to say goodbye to my three colleagues of such lethal cunning. James is in the Phantom Zone. <laughs> yes, the son of our jailer. He will never escape uh, and be back to wreak havoc upon us all. Uh, it's time to say goodbye to Neil Bat for his first proper, and uh, Neil, I'll be honest, your last uh, Empire Podcast. <laughs> What can I say? Well, <laughs> no, you'll be back. You'll be back. <laughs> Neil will return in dot, dot, dot. Uh, so how was it? How did you find it? I enjoyed it. I really loved it. And uh, I hope I come back soon. Hurrah. But, and it's goodbye from... Um, Hi. Helen? Yes, that's Helen, right. Helen, it's goodbye from Heather O'Hara. <laughs> uh, Toodaloo. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off to put together more flat pack fucking furniture. (laughs) (laughs) I've offered to help. You have, and you did very, very well. Uh, You and uh, another party. And James, of course, came around and and helped and uh, put up uh, a a bed. Mm -hmm. That's good. But there's so much stuff, Helen. There's so much stuff. But you help as well. Thanks, Neil. Thank you very much, Neil. Basically, what's happening is we're moving house, but we're not moving house. Mm -hmm. And we're moving house within the house to make room for... And your arrival. Yeah. So it's like, ah! Yes. So now we're trying to make things fit into places that things they don't fit. They don't, don't fit. fit. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But it's fine. We've got a magnificent new TV unit. It looks tremendous. Makes the TV look brand new. And I tell you what, Redacted, attorney at Redacted, looked tremendous on it. Crack that code, <laughs> motherfuckers. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.